excuse me, I've mentioned this before, but every minute we record takes three times as long to edit. So if it's an hour, it's going to take three hours. Okay. If it's two hours, it's going to take six hours. You understand what I'm saying here? Yes. So the reason we do these so infrequently is because the recording is fine, but the editing of little minutia and background notes is such a pain in my ears that I get sick of listening to it. And yourself? I never get sick of listening to myself. I started a goddamn podcast where I'm the main guy. <laughs> you don't get sick of yourself, mister. I make five videos a week. Actually, I increased the rate of the video, so it's actually going to be close to ten a week. The hell is wrong with you? Schedule. Merry Christmas. This is the Internet's Worst Gaming Podcast. I am your host, Loki Jarson. With me again is my real-life brother, Thomas, a.k.a. Lord Masta, on YouTube and elsewhere. Hello there, Mr. Loki Jarson, sir. Um, let's, let's not waste any time. Let's just get right to it. You, you uh, as usual for these recordings, have prepared a list of topics, and I have done absolutely zero research whatsoever. I do no preparation for this show. That's how it works out so well. Well, let me tell you something, Loki Jarson. I've been busy for the past couple of months. I can imagine. Um, because I, it's going to be a variety of shows of sorts that we have here. We're going to start off with um, Imperator Rome, one of the games from Paradox Interactive. So, Imperator Rome, I've been doing an ongoing video series where I'm playing as the Greek city-state of Thebes, um, which is still part of the old Menander update. And there's this upcoming update coming up by, say, January or February, sometime in the winter of 2021. It is, very likely, it is very likely this is going to be the last episode of the year, because uh, there's no way this comes out before Christmas. So, let's just make this our year-end extravaganza. Hell yes. Oh, oh, I almost said another word, so I got to stop myself right there. Anyways, Imperator Rome. Marius. That's the name of the update that's coming up. Marius. The, named after the Roman who made the Marian reforms. Are you familiar with that? Uh, no. Uh, it happened around after the second or third Punic War. I forget which, but Marius was the guy who came up with the Marian reforms. It was military reforms for the uh, Roman Republic's military because, you know, they had to transition from their way of fighting that they've been doing for the last couple of times to... Uh, Standing out in the field in a line, throwing rocks. Yes, into the more of the old Roman legion system that we're all familiar with from the late Republic, early Roman Empire era. Standing in a line holding a spear. Yeah, that kind of discipline. Hmm. So presumably this update is all about military things. Largely, and also um, they have this other little 
uh, themed update as I read it from the dev diaries for the past couple of months since oh October I should say after since I was pretty much way into CK3 Crusader King Street which we'll get into that in a moment um where they have the other themed update called Vitruvius which I don't know who that particular Roman individual is uh that guy is also I think he made a canal not, not a canal but an irrigation system built a bit built a big canal Canal's not the right word, but there's a big aqueduct. That's the word. Mm -hmm. Built a big old aqueduct. Yeah. Um, the Vitruvius update is the one that focuses on building um, or existing or building new great wonders. Yeah, kind of similar to the great works from the Crusader Kings 2 on its last few updates when they focused on building wonders. So now you could do that here. But here in Marius, yes, it's mainly military, which they are going to rework some of the UI, the user interface. So, I mean, based on the preview images I saw from for that upcoming update, it's, it does not resemble the game I've been currently playing. It just looks like an entirely new game built from scratch. When did this game first come out? Imperator Rome, um, April 25th, last year, uh, 2019. Wow, it's already a pretty big change. So, yeah, it's due to well, mixed reviews when it came out at first, and then in, over time it got better and better, and it looks like it's going to be their biggest update yet. I mean, all games Man, go through that. You, uh, I realize we're not going to talk about this, but that's a hell of a statement during the times that we're recording about this, that we could dare to wait for a game to be updated to be better. Either that or just, well, let's go make an entirely new game one year later instead of, you know, having it for many, many years. Well, they publish other games that they don't just make, right? Like they make a strategy games and publish them, but they also publish a bunch of things that aren't strategy games, but they don't develop them. Uh -huh. And, so that, and, and uh, that's why for this Vitruvius update and the Marius update, uh, Paradox Interactive decided to form its own separate studio so it can focus more towards this particular game as the rest of them were all about Crusader Kings 3. Well, it's a bigger, more popular game. Yeah, in terms of popularity, much like I found out when I post Imperatorium videos, I'm actually one of the three most popular. And I'm the only one who serves for the English-speaking audience. I'm the only American. It's a bit presumptuous, but it's not an easy game to get into. It's like, there's a higher learning curve from what little I understand of this game, as opposed to CK3. Like you need you need to know more of what you're doing. You can't bumble fuck your way through it. Yeah, but anyways, back to the update. The UI changes, and they're also gonna rework the inventions system with the introduction of tech trees. Because back then in this, well, at least the current version that I've been playing for the last three series, um, like to get inventions, you gotta spend your money on it, your state funds to get the inventions. But however, the price increases the more territory you expand to the point like, man, you would just love to have this invention or that invention, but you can't spend it all. Well, they're going to rework that by having tech trees as it progresses over time, as it should be. Cause okay. That's how technology marches on, right, with time? In strategy games, absolutely. You can just wait instead of, you know, die. Or buy it off. Um, but, uh, but they're going to have several warfare changes such as the combat with forts and occupation as well as um 
provincial trading and engineering cohorts um so engineer cohorts as in like these guys who well do siege work siege craft so to speak which um which in the current version i've been playing the way to besiege a territory or a fort or, or a city that has a fort on it well you just gotta sit there and wait for dice rolls so the percentage increases time after time until they surrender sometimes sieges can last between 180 days up to a year um 360 sometimes even longer depending on the level of fort the dice roll but i've had way shorter sieges when we got lucky when the overall territory has low food and the garrison can't feed itself so they just have to desert already and um and they also gonna change more of the military traditions um nation overviews and, and whatnot for the little macro builder which i never really do that because i just like having more detail of it rather than a little mini thing and um they're gonna be separating the difference between levies and legions because in the versions that i've been playing you just have standing armies as military units right regardless of cohorts um now they're gonna do away with that um and just have levies instead like you know how levy works you've explained on a previous episode yes yes but the legion system is not going to go away entirely um where um in a much well i would say second half of an average playthrough that that the legions will start appearing we don't necessarily mean roman legions we just use that as a general term for standing army um so that's not until a later era where you get more professional armies and uh, also they're going to be adding more 3d unit models so you know more detail of units of various cultures such as the um, italics greeks um iberians carthaginians and further east in theory you could do all of this in text so i guess that's good yeah so you can tell the difference between a levy and a legion like i saw a picture where i would assume a legion has armor and a levy doesn't that's how it works yeah just picture like your average roman legion on one side but the Ro roman levy they're lightly armored and they have a a wolf pelt head. I'm trying to think of a Roman legionnaire. Oops, I accidentally thought of a Spartan. Yeah, the horse head hairs or whatever they call yeah, it. I was, I was imitating a <laughs> your average player slash moviegoer slash Hollywood director. Uh, yeah, of uh, uh, sword, sword and sandals. Um. And also, coming along with the Marius update, they will have a separate DLC called Heirs of Alexander, which is going to be adding more mission trees. Because you know how we mentioned the last time with Imperatorum, we mentioned about every country has its own set of missions, like Rome, Carthage, Athens, Sparta, and Syracuse. Mm. Well, they're going to be adding more. But it's for the Diadochi nations, the, the successors of Alexander's empire that was separated much like crusader kings has less and less to do with the crusade imperator rome has less and less to do with rome yeah more greek stuff can't get enough of it and yet <laughs> people still request how about mission trees for bactria which is a greek satrapy to the seleucids so or, so or the even, real question or is... even the uh morians the indian empire let's have missions for them too they're important in that history and the real question is when are they going to spin off into um, it's obviously not going to be called Imperator, but whatever the Greek game is where you play as Athenian and or Spartan and do basically the same stuff. 
I know one example, but it's more of a mobile game and set, well, during and after the Peloponnesian War. They have something like that. But again, mobile game. Um, so yeah, they add mission trees for the Seleucids, which I mentioned before. Um, also for the Antigonid Kingdom, Egypt, Thrace, and Macedon. Those are the Diadochid nations that broke away from Alexander's old empire when he died. And so now you get to play any of those playthroughs and you got your own set of missions to, well, try to one-up another. To see, like, who is the true successor to Alexander the Great. And presumably you can kill the other ones and take over their lands? Yeah, basically. Or just, well, I can predict most people when the update comes out. Most of them will be playing the Diadoki Nation, and I assume there will always be one playing as the titular nation, Rome. Uh, when is this update coming out? This is part of the same thing? Um, I assume um, January, because they, they've they been doing dev diaries for most of the months of fall and into December, and they've taken a break. And then they'll start posting dev diaries again, so we'll know more information on when the release date comes out. I assume January of 2021. And you'll make some sort of video then when that update happens? Oh yeah, as soon as I'm done with the Thebes update and 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 my first um, nation that I will be playing as, um, which isn't a surprise, it's going to be another Greek city-state, um, but not any of the Diadochi, not Rome, not Carthage, think small. I'm expected to play as Athens for the Marius update, um, because would it be great to see Athens make a comeback after... Well, it got beaten by the Spartans after the uh, Peloponnesian War, and then, historically, they rose up again, then they got beaten again, and they rose up again, and then they got beaten again, and rose up one more time. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to cut you off there. Uh, I don't have any horse in that race in particular, so doesn't bother me none. So yeah, this um, upcoming Athenian series should be just mainly about let's make one last comeback before we may or may not get annihilated for the final time. And reform the Delian League. And maybe all of Greece. Well, best of luck with that. Mm -hmm. So, now we got Imperator Rome out of the way. And from one update to another. Crusader Kings 3, the other noted um, Paradox Interactive uh, game. Had an update on its own, but not as big as what Imperator Rome has planned. But it's something that they've made note of that ever since its release. And they said they were going to add that in the future. And now they finally added that update is Ruler Designer, which has, which was once a separate DLC you can buy for Crusader Kings 2, but now it's a free update here in CK3. And this goes beyond what we talked previously about setting the traits and all that stuff. I mean, you, you have your limitations. Well, actually, there are limitations to a degree in Ruler Designer. If you wish to start a new playthrough with any territory or faction that you wish to start playing as, and then you decide to create your own ruler and dynasty and whatnot. And that's what Ruler Designer does. Um, it's basically create a character, but for your first, well, your founder of your dynasty, that's your created character, and be descends mm. that from then on. And you can be. There's no restrictions of what culture or faith you be uh, playing as, but there's one limit to it. But that's only if you wish to. Like say, if you're going to do an Iron Man mode playthrough which is how you get achievements they give you this number of points of whatever um, traits or statistics you're going to adjust 
including the age of the character. Like if you're going to be really young, well, it's it's less points. Um, but if you're going to be adult to middle age, like say all the way up to 40, um, that's when points will increase. And if you wish to go pl 40 plus, that's when points start to go down in terms of how much you're going to be using. Just don't go over the limit of 400. Otherwise, you won't get achievements. So in theory, you could create a superly overly powered character if you're going to be, you know, doing a gameplay, but you don't get the achievements for it. Only if you're playing the Iron Man. Well, one, who really cares about PC achievements for one? And two, this is only works for one character, right? It's not an every ruler designer. Oh. So as soon as you as soon as you cack off your heir who doesn't have these god points. Oh no. Um unless you uh, chose the traits that are inheritable. Even if it's good or bad. But um, it's it's, but it's very it strange to me that a strategy game is asking you to think about something far down the line. Like you create this king, king who gives a shit. And is like and his son who gives a shit junior and his son who gives a shit the third. But you have no control at the present time of who gives a shit the third. You can only control the first king. Uh, yes. So I... it's like, okay, so you want to pair off your heir with to give him this stuff down the line. And if you're lucky, he survives with all those things. So he can give his stuff further down the line. It's a very strange way of... This is less kingdom building and more family building. Yeah, like how we discussed the differences between Imperator and Crusader Kings. Yeah. Crusader Kings is slowly becoming an RPG for some reason. Yeah, we've discussed that in great detail on the previous yeah. podcast with the role-playing aspect. Yeah. But uh, as for the uh, character creation, you can make adjustments of, well, basically any part of your face and body. Um, for either male or female. And so yes, you can adjust any body part of it. So if you wanted to have like one long arm... Oh, well, not to that degree, but you, but <laughs> but however, there is an interesting little statistic. Like you can adjust the prowess skill, which is personal combat skill. If you wish to increase it, your your character increases muscle mass. Well, duh, because I'm good at fighting. I mean, buffer. Uh, or choose an inheritable trait that'll make your character strong, anyhow. You know, genetically strong. Uh huh. Yeah, that also increases it. Um. And, not, I, I, and and plus, you can you can actually create the character. You can start from the age of well zero all the way to hundred and twenty. Who would want to start as an old man? How long is that playthrough going to last? Probably not last a minute. I don't know why you want to be a decrepit old man. It's what I'm saying. It's like what kind of game are you guys building here? Um. And also, you know, I probably sent you, well, didn't send you anything, but just showed you pictures of some people with their own creative characters from that game. Either resembling celebrities or historical figures that they're trying to pull off. The only real issue, and I know you want to branch off, but the only real issue I have yeah, um, is CK3. Yeah, we'll branch off more of the creative character in just a moment. Before I get to that, the only issue I have with it in CK3 in particular is, again, you're only designing the one guy. You're not designing his heirs, so you're spending, you know, 30 minutes making the best face for King who gives a shit, and then, you know, two, uh, say, 50 years down the line, he's dead. 
Do you get to design King of Gives a Shit's kid? No, of course not. No, you just only educate them. Or send them off a guardian to educate them. So, what is the point in designing your ruler? You're not designing your dynasty. You're designing one dude who will die. That's the point of the game. Even if your heir that looks like the father. Yeah. So, again, uh, uh, the ruler design that I did, which was part, which was the very first playthrough with the said update when I'm doing this ongoing series with Bosnia, which is something I wanted to do for some time. It's just, well, there was the main reason why I used the ruler designer for this playthrough. One, it's to create a native Bosnian character instead of who was already controlling that area at that time of 867 AD, which is just by Serbian. So we just needed somebody to appeal to that minority culture, which isn't much, but somebody's got to govern it, otherwise they'll be having peasant revolts. Um, and, and plus, my guy kind of looked like uh, Philip II, if you ever seen pictures of him. You know, the one-eyed guy who's father of Alexander. <laughs> which, to be fair, they, they had a um, set of own cultural ethnicities, just saying average. Like, a northern guy, like, it means applies to all Norsemen-looking guys. Or Western Europeans, regardless if you're anglo saxon Sure, like, like, like when you play Skyrim, you're like, I want to be a Nord. Okay, well, you look like a guy who's like a fucking Viking. That's just how it's going to be. Sorry. But for the South Slavic people, uh, which is what the Bosnian belong to that group, they use Mediterranean. In other words, they're Greek-looking rather than Slavic-looking. <laughs> so they're darker of skin? You can actually adjust the skin tone. So it is possible for you to play as a black Anglo-Saxon man. But yeah. but culturally, you're just of them. But it doesn't matter what skin color that you choose. Yeah, that's another thing. It's, why are you wasting all this time making this dude? It is one thing, like last time we talked, it's one thing to set your traits to make inheritable traits. It is a completely different waste of time to set your looks. You can't inherit all those looks. Yeah, and, and by the way, as of those looks, I chose that creative character to have one-eyed. Um, yeah, you mentioned. Because, well, it's for the dread. The dread feature just to gotta keep them in line. Um, so they don't, you know, try to plot against me. Because I made this guy a one-eyed, callous, deceitful, but gregarious man. Because we start off a Slavic pagan, which gregarious is actually one of the virtues. So you made a pirate. Oh yeah, he became a raider. Um, to the point where he raided so much, he picked up the raider trait. Viking is an equivalent for those of the Asatru faith up there. Hmm. Except we didn't go off sea because we didn't live in a coast. Because you were in fucking Bo Bosnia and Croatia. Yeah, it's all hills and mountains up there. Poor developed area. So we had to raid our neighbors to not only get loot, but sometimes bring slaves to help develop our country. So it doesn't have to be a backwater country. But unfortunately, it will remain so throughout most of the playthrough because of this faith that we've been playing as after conversion, which we played as the Christiani faith. That's K-R-S-T-J-A-N-I. Christiani. Because you enjoy putting weird restrictions on your playthroughs? Well, the three tenets of the Christiani faith, which is what makes them different from Catholics and Orthodox, despite the fact that they're wedged between them. It's because of the three tenets it has. Medicant preachers, monasticism, and pastoral isolation. Um, monasticism is common amongst the nuns. We know that stuff. And medicant preachers just means that 
you know, guys who like to go around, you know, converting folks um, out there, which makes them more faster to convert. Um, and the pastoral isolation feature has its benefits and it's a bit of a handicap. Um, the handicap part is less development growth. In other words, it's going to remain a poor country for some time unless you put some effort to it or wait for events that encourages development growth. Or steal other countries' resources. Yeah, um, until we get the uh, cultural innovations up, which adds more minimum penalty for development. You could say it, this land has reached to its fullest potential until we go to another medieval era where we'll finally have more development growth. And we'll be right up there with um, Rome, Constantinople, or most of India with their higher developed countries. So, uh, and, and finally, the Christianity faith is unique that it views all Christian faiths, regardless of doctrinal differences, as righteous. Whereas to everybody else, they just view Christianity as a stray. Like, Catholics and Orthodox don't look highly on them, while Christianity's like, you're all my brothers, so we're all nice to you. I'd imagine Catholics and Eastern Orthodox don't look kind on any other religion other than their own. Oh, no. But there is one thing that Christianity has, as with most of the others, and that's they have ecumenism. Without ecumenism, then that would mean a Christian would view one that does not have it as hostile, and thus making them targets for holy wars, even crusades. But there is a decision, which the AI's yet to pull off against me, as of a Christianity ruler, um where they would tell their religious head, either the Pope or ecumenical patriarch, to declare Christianity as a heresy, and we would lose ecumenism, and thus we became, well, public enemy number one in the heart of Europe. It's yet to happen. And so, so for now, our faithful Gosti, which means guest in Bosnian, that's what we called our inheritance, Gosti, you're my guests. And, uh, and they call their bishops Jedi, not Jedi, Jedi, um, which means grandfather. Okay. And the, and the actual historical Bosnian church, that's what the Christianity is, since resources are limited on how they functioned on their everyday life, but they say the clergy don't really do anything. They never really interfered on anybody's affairs except attending um, funerals for, you know, burial uh, rituals, and they don't do much of anything else. And hardly even taken in one's court as advisors. So, basically, they just like to be left alone. Hence the reason, pastoral isolation. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so that's what makes this ongoing Bosnian playthrough unique. <laughs> oh, and finally, um, for the particular faith, um, it's unique compared to the other ones that all of their crime doctrines, say same-sex relations, male and female adultery, kinslaying, deviancy, and witchcraft, they're all shunned. Not criminal for some. Neither accepted like the Eastern ones. So in other words, no matter what bad thing you do, it's basically just wagging a finger. It's like, don't do that. But they're not going to put you in jail for it. So why would these dudes have an empire ever? Bosnia never had an empire. Why would your faith ever had an empire ever? Uh, because of uh, this tolerance and isolationism. Yeah. No idea. Again, sources are limited. We don't know what the hell they've done. No, buddy. No, no, no. Not real life shit. You. You as this Cristiani, Cristiani Ronaldo faith in the middle of fucking Eastern Europe want to build an empire taking over all of Europe. 
Uh, I don't know. We just went with it. But there may or may not be a time where we may have to create a separate Christian faith. A schism, if you will, from the Christianity just to change one little tenet, one little modification, and then all will be well. And then we could start, you know, being up with, you know, in the league with a family of nations of highly developed countries. By killing your neighbors and taking their stuff. That's going to have to happen because we've been basically content with where we are. But now, at, as of the last recording, we're going to be on a point of expanding both west and east. Particularly just in the lands of former Yugoslavia all the way up to Bulgaria, Wallachia, and even Moldova. Because there's this other goal. That says unite the South Slavs. Basically create greater Yugoslavia. Um, which people back in the 1910s once came up with the idea but never fully utilized. Well, because there are too many, too many fucking religions there. That's why they didn't do it. Yeah, and well, it's still a sensitive subject to this day. You know, the Yugoslav wars and everything. I would imagine we don't have a lot of Croatian-speaking listeners. Uh, it's already a half hour. Do you want to talk about this face thing? Um, what faith? Face. You said something about the character creator more. Oh, yes, um, the creating faces. Making faces. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, you said something about, um, you, like, you, you already made I said of your, um, the, uh, the god dang. Okay, I just hit myself in the head, so I know where I'm talking about okay the, the creative character in games in general you had a little tripe if that's a word that we can use uh, uh, a tripe a tripe is a fish i uh really? yes do you mean gripe gripe there you go i missed the letter um the, missed several letters yeah that's just in general whatever if it's again it's not well, just okay, how, how long how long did you spend making your dude time Oh, start to start. Oh, 20 minutes. Um, it wasn't that long because I just keep hitting the randomize button until I see where it hits. I'm like, okay, I like that. But let me make one small adjustment. And then there we go. Okay. And also different. have no eye. Just one eye. That's different than what I thought you were going to say is 20 minutes adjusting his fucking mustache hairs, which a lot of people do. Um, so, yeah, it's almost like a little bit of Skyrim in terms of options to create a character see, when but... adjusting faces. Here's my problem in every fucking art. It's mostly RPGs, because normal action-adventure games don't let you... They have a set protagonist. They don't let you adjust them. I get bored. It's just like, okay, I have fucking with this dude's eyebrows for like a minute. I was like, I don't care anymore. I, I, I've lost the will to give a shit. Years and years of RPGs have made me adjust customizable characters less and less. Like, I used to do it a ton, and now... Years later, I'm like, I don't care anymore. I'm just going to go for default. Because I'd much rather play the game than dick around with someone who's... I'm only going to look at the back of their head for the most of the game if it's third person. And if it's the first person, I'm literally never going to see their face. So who gives a fuck what they look like? Yeah, you just be looking at your ass more. Yes, what's the play point? Can I adjust my butt? Can I... You know, it's one thing to change the back of your head. Again, if it's a third person game. If it's a first person game, there's zero point whatsoever in making your face all different. Cool. I'm going to edit that out so we don't seem sexist. Uh, but even that, it's like, okay, well, okay. Instead of making a dude character, I'm going to make a lady character. Okay. Uh, here's her hair. Okay, let's change the color of her hair. Do I want to get... Oh, I'm bored. Let me get to the game. 
I can't just sit around in character creation menus because I take too long in the skill tree menus again if it's an RPG. And also, you're probably not that creative when it comes to resembling somebody or your <laughs> ideal uh, what, character. I have I have had discussions before with the two other guys who used to do this show, Joe Stizzy and, Ra and Rob. You almost said Ryan. Oh. Sure. Rob Ryan, the former defensive coordinator. Um... <laughs> I've had discussions with them about whether or not when they make a character, do they make it try to make it look like themselves or give it their name? And I've literally never done that in my entire life. I'm going all the way back Nor going you all the way be, back really. from like Kotor, because I'm not that character. It's I don't want to spend time making a character looking like me or sounding like me. Do you remember this will be the best reference for you and you alone? That episode of Seinfeld. Where George is like, oh my god, I don't want to read this book. I wish I had a book on tape. <laughs> yeah. And so he gets, a, he gets a book on tape, but the guy is a whiny voice just like him, and he's like, risk management or some shit. And he's like, oh man, I can't listen to this. The guy sounds exactly like me. That's how I feel. I don't want to play as a dude who looks or sounds exactly like me. That's not the experience I come here for in video games. I don't come to play video games to make a dude look and or sound like me. It's not something I'm interested in. Uh -huh. uh where it's in Crusader Kings, there ain't no voices. Um, obviously. I know, but it's like, okay, you made your dude super fat. Okay, whoops, he died of obesity in 20 years. Here's your here's your heir. Can you adjust anything in this heir? No. Waste of time. Uh-huh. You just start off from scratch and whatever lifestyle points that they give you or, or lack thereof. Or what yes, came but my it. point is my point is you can't adjust the appearance of any heir. So it's pointless. Uh -huh. And finally, um, prior to the um, the ruler designer update for the boss series, you know what was my last created uh, character from Crusader Kings 2? Hmm. It was from my final series, the Sogdian Saga, where um, it was a female character that I created. Again, it had limitations of creations, just only in the face. Right? And, um, in which I created this character, which goes by the name of Rokshana Kayani. Or Kayanian. Again, this may all sound Iranian um, culture foreign to you. Um, which um, I actually based that character, even slightly resembling, um, um, slightly resembling the character Ray from the Star Wars um, sequel trilogy. There you go. Um, I've seen your. I'm gonna cut you off. I'm sorry. I've seen your characters in various Elder Scrolls games and. Uh, various Red Dead games and GTA games. And you make a certain kind of character kind of consistent. I won't speak of it. You make a certain kind of character styling fairly consistent. Yeah. So I assume this was not that. No, because Iranian culture, you know what the average Middle Eastern person looked like, right? Well, I know the stereotype. Yeah, but not to a, a Sogdian, which is a near extinct culture to this day. They're still around. Go by a different name. Yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, Roxana Kayani, again, Nolly based her appearance slightly um, based on Ray, but as well as the personality and traits of her when we were first introduced to her in The Force Awakens. In other words, yeah, she's a diligent, nice person, but over time it changes a bit due to the circumstances that mandates it due to, well, being a Sogdian Zoroastrian living under Arabian occupation of Sogdia. Why do you like to make these unnecessarily complicated choices in these games? 
Um, like 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 what you may gain or like lose. Like a minor. No no no. Like every in Crusader Kings or Imperial Rome, you're always like, okay, I made a little known culture in a little known religion in a little known kingdom, and I'm going to take over all of Europe. It's to get attention. Because there's some minorities out there that needs some spotlight on it. <laughs> the minor, they're long dead. These kingdoms don't exist anymore for a reason. And the Sogdian people, as we mentioned here, they never gained independence. The only heyday they ever had was during the 6th century to 7th century AD when they had their own city-states. Kind of functioned like Greek city-states, except middle of the Silk Road. Um... Because they were a proud merchant race, and really not known for their martial prowess. Um, and uh, finally, um, regarding Rokshana, you said finally about five times now. By the way, sorry, it's a habit of mine. Um, for um, Rokshana or Roxana, as we call her in the West, um, of the last name Kayani or Kayanian, it was named after a a semi-mythological dynasty of Persian tradition and folklore. Supposedly, what the hell, semi-mythological. It is or it isn't. So, they said they were mentioned in the Avesta, the sacred Zoroastrian texts, and also part of the Shahnameh, which is Iran's national epic. And, uh, and the story of the Sogdian saga at the beginning is, again, similar to what I came up with because I had Ray in mind, that Rakshana is the last of the Kayanians that lived in obscurity, and uh, it's going to be the first of the new, you know, become that spark of a holy flame of resistance against well these uh, I don't think we would call the Abbasids an evil empire but it depends on your interpretation of what is evil and what not from a Zoroastrian point of view um, so yes there's some parallels there I even made the character to have a um, legitimized bastard trait because there are no known parents <laughs> I even had a Muslim uh, who addressed uh, Roxanne by saying Damn your seventh grandfather. And I'm like, she doesn't even know her damn family. It's an oddly specific damn. Yeah. It's a, it's the damnedest thing you ever damned. And I've damned a lot of things. And we go all the way from Sogdia or Sogdiana to fake Los Angeles in GTA 5. There was recently a gigantic update in that however many year old game. Uh, it's been around since 2013. Astonishing. Uh, there's a new heist and like a new place to go to, as well as you know the usual bevy of new cars and game modes. Yeah. Um, when was the last time you've done a heist of any kind? Was it from the first of it? Time? God, I can't even remember. We didn't finish them. We didn't finish either the main quest, the main one. We never did the Pacific Bank, and we didn't finish the Doomsday ones. I think we did two of those. Got super frustrated, then stopped. <laughs> I never did the Doomsday Heist. I heard they were super difficult, even they're with friends. Unnecessary. They're unnecessarily hard. And then came the Casino Heist, which you weren't there for, but I've done. No, uh, here, here's a problem with GTA, and you did not run into this problem because of who you are and how you play it. Mm -hmm. GTA is, and Red Dead Online, I presume, is a game where if you don't play it for a certain amount of time, you're falling behind and you're never going to be able to catch up. Yeah, like if you want to get this, well, you better put your time into it to make money. And I know, but I don't want to put in time to make money. 
Like, like Stacey, Rob, and I, we stopped at such a place that in order to get back into it, we'd be so far behind, we'd actually have to pay real-world money for shark cars and shit to catch up to where everyone is now baseline. And I don't think any of us are really willing to do that, to play what towards the end was a very frustrating game. So is this new update frustrating or fun? Well, um, before we get into the Cayo Perico heist, that's the island they call over there, Cayo Perico. It's, it's in an island off of the coast of Colombia. That's not anywhere near fake Los Angeles. No, not even Mexico. So, so yeah, it's owned by some rich guy. Um, which, Typically. Yeah, in which it's like, yeah, and there's this, they got this big old party over there at the beach. But now, during that time, it is time for you. And yes, you mean you, because you can, this is actually the first heist where you get to do it solo. But I still recommend to bring friends along. Yeah, I assume it's really hard. Uh, what I did from my heist after all the setups, which is a chore to do, as with most of the heist setups of the past. Another reason we stopped playing. Yeah. It's almost like nearly a dozen missions to do before you get <sighs> to the heist itself. If you're willing to go alone, which I did. Because, uh, I mean, there's many different ways of entry. And they've been doing this since the casino update. And that is, what is the manner that you're going to be entering into? Because in the old casino heist, like, are you going to come in guns blazing? You know, go loud? Um, or come in with disguises? You know, or um, do it the stealth option? I imagine no matter what you choose, it's always going to end with guns blazing because no stealth playthrough in these kinds of games ever goes perfect. I'm sure there's people out there that have done it, but good, good kudos to them. Mm. But I did the stealth thing at first, as far as it went from my experience. Like, the entry point I went to was from this um, Russian submarine, which, by the way, you get to spend millions of dollars, at least like two plus million to buy a submarine which is in order to for you to have the ability to do the heist to go over there <laughs> so so I um, came from the submarine and so brought scuba gear to sneak into this uh, tunnel that they have there a sewage tunnel um, so we just snuck up there and, and went up and then it's like okay now do it as stealthily as you can even though I bought suppressors as well oh and by the way since you're doing that stealth option you can't have backup and we don't mean like friends we mean like reinforcements, mercenaries, airstrikes, all that. Because I entered that way. I didn't start off to the ass end of the island at the airfield where I can disable air defenses in order to get such reinforcements. In fact, that's how you get 80% of the reinforcements you can request. Take down their air defenses. I ain't got time for that. I'm doing the James Bond way. Well, anyway. But what is the, the point? So, but the stealth thing lasted for three minutes before it all went to hell. But it wasn't that difficult. You know, the shootouts, uh, the hacking, and you, know, you got the main objective. I ain't got no time to get the primary. Oh, no, no. The primary, what you got was a million dollars for a specific item. Getting cash, weed, and cocaine will get you two plus million more if you're willing to gather up more. But, well, they already found me, so I got the hell out of there. And it took a while, too, because the exit was the submarine, again, where I came from. Except it's all the way on the other side of the can see. So it took time. Is Lester still running these? What is the justification for you to fly all of 
to scuba all the fucking way to Colombia to rob a million dollars. Well, it's just another way to make money. But oh, and by the way, after you complete that heist the first time, it will become hard mode active, as it says. So they increase the difficulty because, well, they are now more paranoid than ever. Oh, and plus, I didn't take out the main bad guy because, well, I was already found. You're you're the main bad guy. Yeah, but there's the main the the guy who owns the island. He's still alive. That's the other weird thing about the narrative because. When this game came out first, a long ass time ago, and last gener on this at this point, two generations of consoles ago, uh, all the heists in the main story, which by the way you still haven't played, oh. uh, are all they're all, they're all the all the stuff you do are all narrative and they they formulate the story. But in the multiplayer online stuff, none of these heists really have a point other than a short one a short crippled man looks like Danny DeVito with George Costanza. Shows up at your place and is like, hey, you want to steal some weed? And you do that. And then you just do that over and over and over until, you know, you're, you're, you have a fortified government bunker and you're firing orbital laser cannons and whatnot. But it's like, it kind of, I kind of lost the narrative thread there. So when you're talking about the main bad guy, I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Dude? This is so far beyond when we stop playing. Well, the Doomsday Heist, you got to save the fucking world. And, uh, I'll take your word for it, because and... all we ever saw during those heists were Steve Jobs wannabe, or actually it was more of a Mark Zuckerberg wannabe, some dumb government lady, some dumb government dude, and then we really lost the thread after that submarine mission, because it was not fun. And, uh, and a casino heist, uh, well, when the casino update came out, they had its own little separate story missions that you could do. Um... But however, bad guys won at the end. And the casino heist story is, well, let's get back at them by robbing them blind. Or loud, depending on how you want to approach it. I presume it, I presume it's just Ocean's Eleven, but with more gunfire. Yeah. And now here, um, same deal. We're just going to rob this son of a bitch off of his island. And, and if you happen to see him, kill him. And you're going to get a reward. Which I didn't. Because, you know, I was already found and I had to get the hell out of there. Can you explain to me, as a guy who plays both of these games, why they continue to update GTA V, a very old game at this point? And there's so little drip-feed content for Red Dead 2. And Red Dead 2 online updates are like, here's a new bear you can hunt. Oh, yeah, the legendary animals. And also recently added more legendary bounties for the bounty hunter role. I know, but that's all you ever do. You do one of two things in Red Dead Online. You hunt a person or hunt an animal. And that is it. Whatever keeps, uh, there's got to be words for it. Um, you know how they had their own separate team to be dedicated to keep this game alive and wondering if the same thing's happening for Red Dead. Much like I told yeah, but, you earlier. But in it, is, the it, is very it is very clear that they put more effort into the GTA stuff than they do in the Red Dead stuff. Yeah, with the amount of content it has. And still adding to this day. And they're still going to be adding because they're going to port it to next gen at some point, 2021. That game's never going to die. It's it's like Skyrim. Uh, we're just waiting for the countdown to the PS5 version of Skyrim. Actually, the excuse me, the Series X version of Skyrim, since Microsoft now owns Bethesda. Uh -huh. Who knows? We'll see 10th anniversary edition of GTA 5 in Yeah, it's entirely possible. We may never see GTA 6 because they'll just keep updating GTA 5. Yeah, it's the longest consumers keep on consuming it, which I guess I'm one of them, apparently. Oh, yeah, but at least you've never bought a shark card. You did hard work the hard way. Yeah, which, by the way, prior to, you know, spending that money on a submarine and a couple of other things, 
I had $72 million, most money I ever had. Now I'm down to 63 as of this recording. Oh no, how horrifying. How can you live? Yeah, I just had an ambition. I was originally content with the money money I have. Until I hear rumors of something, well, get to work. So now, well, um, not only I had such a good experience with, um, you know, the new heist and everything, but again, it was short-lived because I did a heist. I'm one and done, and, and I'll be doing, I'll be willing to do it again if I bring friends along. Now, this other recent experience I've been having since the said heist, and I've been doing it on late nights. Oh, boy. I mean, you've once spoke about it. Now I've experienced it, too. The feckin' Battlefield 5 campaign. Yeah, it's bad. Uh, I don't remember. I, don't, I didn't do all of it. Because since one, they did this stupid-ass, like, smaller war stories where it's like, instead of a five-hour game, how about five one-hour games? Isn't that better? No, it is, in fact, worse. And it is made much worse in five because they use multiplayer maps for the single-player content. So I remember very little except for the fact that I didn't like any of it and didn't finish it. I at least finished Battlefield 1's bullshit stories. Because you had, uh, well, you originally had the patience and the I purpose. I don't even fucking know, dude. I, I don't know. I don't have reasons for why I do things. I just do them. Yeah, you were more in tune in first-person shooters at that time. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know. We've discussed at length my disdain for Battlefield campaigns, so you tell me about your disdain. I assume disdain, considering the way you opened this segment. Well, yo, I just say that because, well, it was slightly lengthy than I would imagine, as you it's described to me once. Um, but do you say you didn't do them all? I mean, like, as in, like, you never did the last... De describe, what, describe what you did, and I'll tell you if it triggers a memory. Okay. If it doesn't, then I didn't do it. Okay, one by one. One story at a time. Oh. Sure. Much like how we told the Sogdian story earlier. Oh, anyways. The introduction to Battlefield Five, where you jump into this person, and then you jump into that person, and then and then you jump into this pilot. Cool, don't remember. Yeah. That was just the introduction to the game. But now, the real story. Chapter 2, they go by chapters. Um, It's the one where you play as the... Um, Even though they're not connected in any way. No. They're just individuals. With their own tales... Allegedly, depending on who you believe, even if they're old veterans by then, as the game portrays it. Um, you play as this um, British convict, gets to team up with this guy, and you are part of the SBS, the Special B Boat Service. Um, and you go to North Africa and uh, and to destroy the uh, the planes that are stationed in the hangar. Oh, in the fuck, I do remember that one. Yeah, that one sucked. I mean, they all sucked for different ways, but that one sucked because Battlefield's weird obsession with stealth. Yeah, um, it's been that way since Hardline. Yes, but it was well done in Hardline. It is not well done in 1 or 5, partially because it was a different team working on it. So, so my attitude of this at that time was, it's like, oh, again, I know, I'm very familiar with the concept of stealth. So, so attack this one guy with melee, then found a suppressed weapon. Okay, use it from then on out. And if you get detected... Well, go out guns blazing until there is no more. And be sure to disable an alarm beforehand, otherwise there'll be reinforcements, which will kick your because, ass. Because this is fucking Far Cry 3, and we just have no ideas here. And also, you've had, and throughout the campaign, you have little to no backup. 
yeah, you have no friends whatsoever. It's like for all these dumbass war stories of World War Two happenings. It's just like, well, this one dude or this one Norwegian lady did all killed all these Nazis by themselves. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Commando shit. The believability is probably the problem. But Battlefield, with. as opposed to Call of Duty, which is popcorn nonsense, but you know, purposeful nonsense. Battlefield is always, whether or not they succeed, attempted to be the more realistic game. And uh, these campaigns are not realistic. Um, in terms of believability? Like, you wouldn't believe that, again, this ex-convict gets to destroy planes. And then they, their journey continues, uh, even holding off a goddamned tank division uh, on their own. Before help finally arrived. Which he accidentally called, by the way, because it gave away their position. Uh, very little memory. Next. Then chapter three, um, you mentioned about the, the Norwegian girl um, that took place up in Norway. Ocu Nazi-occupied Norway. Um, where there's this, you know, dirty bomb that the Germans are making. Um, and to stop making the dirty bomb, you've got to stop the shipment of heavy water. Which is one of the key ingredients. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. Again, another example of you ain't got no backup. You're on your own uh, for this alleged com and commando. And, and, and well, it's not even a commando. It's like the daughter of a commando. You're not. You're just some fucking teenage girl on skis killing eighty Nazis in a room. As if she's got vengeance on her mind or something. I don't even see. They tr they try to put. Since one, they have tried their damnedest and failed their damnedest to put emotional storytelling in these. Yeah, I believe I that don't... one is far more emotional than the others. No, no, I just don't give a fuck. It's like, because these aren't important characters. You know going in, you're going to spend at tops two hours with these people before moving on to the next person. So what is the story they're trying to tell here? War is hell? Well, thank you, Battlefield Five. I had no yeah, idea. Yeah, I was about war to was say. Bad. I was about to say. I I was expecting the word for you to use was pretentious. It's it's, it's astonishingly pretentious, but it's short-term pretentious. It's not like I'm gonna put a fucking dollar in the jar here. It's not like Last of Us Two, where it's pretentious for 20 hours. It's two hours maximum. If you speed run and don't do any secondary objectives, you can get all these dumb war stories done in under an hour. So it's like all this, like, oh, man, it's so tiring being here in this war. Isn't that right, War Buddy? Oh, no, War Buddy has died. I am sad. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, compare that to a 1,000 or 2,000 years ago when you mentioned strategy games back in the days when war was glorious. That's the point of, that's what I was saying earlier. It's like, oh, you made a specific religion that likes everybody. It's like, yeah, why are you going to war then? That's the point of the fucking game. It's called Battlefield. You go into the battlefield and you shoot people. The point of the Battlefield games is the multiplayer, and they tack on this awful story. You know, for one year, Call of Duty said, was it Black Ops 3, right? So or 4, excuse me. Black Ops 4. They were like, all right, we're not going to bother with the story because no one gives a fuck, so here's the multiplayer. And because it's a Call of Duty game, everybody liked it when it came out, and then a month or two later hated it and said it was better than the way it used to be. Which leads us into, well, we're not actually, well, unfortunately, we're not done with Battlefield 5 yet, are we? Oh, no, just two more uh, stories Ugh. of sorts. Um, I say of sorts because you said believability of it. Um, it's like, uh, you know, we mentioned about the Norwegian, you say you don't believe that stuff. Um, and I'm sure the Norwegian resistance has done some heroic things, and yet they're not often documented as some of the other resistance movements from other parts of Europe, like the French, the Polish, and the Yugoslavs, and the Greeks. They're far more documented. 
and sometimes exaggerated because of the movies. Well, I'm pretty sure literally everything you did in Battlefield Five was very exaggerated. Yeah, and and then there's Chapter Four, where you play as the Senegalese um, French colonial troops to go to southern France, Provence region, um, not far from Marseille, um, where um, you, where like they had a they were once a for a brief time, I'm like, oh, so I'm playing this segregated unit because the the French themselves, like, they don't see much in colonial troops until... Because uh, they're fucking racist? Yeah, until they're like, okay, you know what? We're going to put you up there in the front line, so have at it. That's what the French... So let's, let's reenact the movie Glory, starring Matthew Broderick and Denzel Washington. Hell of a Civil War movie. Well, yeah, that's fine, but, you know, actual history versus video game. Yeah, and also, we don't often hear too much from colonial troops, not just the French, but all the other ones, too. Only the British get a lot of attention, particularly, you know, the Indians and other parts of Africa. Well, they're in Battlefield 1, to be fair, it was a different war, but it had that whole Australian bit in Gibraltar. Yeah, uh, Gallipoli. Gallipoli, excuse me, I said the wrong thing in the wrong place, but yeah. Yeah, uh, so it's kind of interesting to see that from... French perspective um, of things um, and yet it was a story about this one guy who was like hey don't go rushing and he's like come on let's do it for the glory of, of France even though we never seen this land that is supposedly our homeland even though this place that we are basically paid slaves to yeah that's... indentured servants I guess is a better word yeah that's what the main protagonist you play as is like it's, it's just he fights for glory <laughs> It would be like, this is not a, the best comparison, playing an American in the French and, and Indian War. It's like, you're you're not actually involved, but you're fodder for the British. My only knowledge of the French-Indian War, at least portrayed in media, was from the background of the Patriot, you know, Mel Gibson's character. That he yeah. took part of it. Well, yeah, but that's my point. It's like, the Americans are not a big deal in that, because it's always England versus France. Well, the Senegalese are not a big deal in World War II because it's France and England versus Germany slash Italy. Yeah. And uh, in that last chapter, which they called it The Last Tiger, where you play the Germans for once, um, you know, another different perspective. Ooh, what a switch. Yeah. Um, whereas they, I was hoping they did end Battlefield 1 where you play as one of the central powers factions, but... They, no, they, they they lack the balls that they had in the fucking first Medal of Honor reboot game. I don't know, actually, was it Warfighter where you played as the uh, the Arabs? I, I think it was Warfighter. I, I don't remember, but I do recall you played as a bad guy for a brief time. I think it was Warfighter. Bad guy, quote-unquote, air quotes. Yeah, just in quote, because I wasn't <laughs> trying to be generalizing, it's just either that or antagonist. It's very... We've mentioned this before about the Medal of Honor franchise, but they tried to do something different. Didn't sell. So like, well, fuck different. So let's just give them what we keep doing the same thing over and over and over. I put a ton of time. I don't want to talk about this Final War story because I didn't play it. Yeah. And they're dumb and bad and I don't care. I put a lot of time in Battlefield 1. And most of that is in multiplayer, obviously. And that's mostly because of playing with my good buddy Rob. And we did a lot of Conquest and a lot of the other game mode that's basically Conquest. 
and a couple of pigeon chasing and a little bit of team deathmatch. And I'm not good at online first person shooters, but I put a lot of time into it and it was a lot of fun to be had. I don't even remember when or how I started playing Battlefield 5, but I figured out very early on, it's like, I don't like this. And it wasn't that I liked Battlefield 1 better, it was that I didn't like first person shooter multiplayer anymore. Yeah, you become disenchanted. That was the word you used in a previous podcast. Yeah, but like, yes, it really is disenchantment because I have not played a Call of Duty. We'll talk about Cold War in a minute here. I have not played a Call of Duty since Advanced Warfare, and that's because it came with this here Xbox. Uh, I in the brief time I even I don't even know if I own Battlefield Five. I think I had it on EA Access or something. Yeah. Um. I didn't do enough of the war stories to finish it. I didn't play enough multiplayer to finish it. I was like, man, I just don't give a fuck anymore about this. Because it's just like GTA. If you don't put time into it, your skill set is going to diminish. And you can't crawl your way back without serious work. And I play too many games. The amount of games you play in a week, I play in like three days. I, I don't have the time. I do have the time. I don't want to make the time. To get good at first-person shooters anymore. I'm not a teenager where I give a fuck about my kill-death ratio. I don't care about the weekly challenges. I don't care about the daily challenges. I don't give a shit about gun camo. I don't want to play online shooters anymore. So let's talk about another online shooter. Uh, yeah, as I said, we'll just skip over the uh, last tiger. There isn't much to speak about it. I mean, again, but then again, they weren't really portrayed as hardcore Nazis. They're just guys in the Vermont. Well, of course not. You can't sell that. You can't. EA Dice is what? Uh, Polish? Are they Polish? Swedish. Swedish. You can't sell that to your audience. You can't say, okay, we're going to play as the Nazis, but it's okay because they're like, it's worried about being Nazis. They don't really want to be Nazis. Oh, isn't that deep? Oh, oh, oh fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. enough of that meat. Yeah, the, but those guys are portrayed in that story. It's just one guy's by the book, and then here's his young guys. It's almost like his first day on a job, even though it's at <laughs> war's end. Um, He's a Hitler and, youth. Yeah, and... Uh, and these guys, like, they see these deserted uh, Germans, um, which they were like, it's like, cowards. Come on, let's go kill some Americans. One last <laughs> shot of glory. Um, that's what they were like. Um, some are more UFO enthusiasm, while the old guy who takes command of the thing, he's basically seen it all. From North Africa all the way to the end, he's seen it all. Whoop-dee-doo! War is hell. Thanks. Now from war is hell to war is a hell of a lot of fun. The other side of this dumbass shooter coin, propaganda, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, which you told me several months ago you were not getting, and then you were like, okay, I think I've decided to get it day one. Yeah, it took years, all right? My last (laughs) Call of Duty was Black Ops 3, um, which the multiplayer was just nuts. Um, I mean, yeah, I did montages of it on YouTube and whatnot, but um, but uh, you once told me that the Black Ops 3 campaign is the worst of all of the Call of Duty campaigns it's you've played. Fucking, it's the fucking dirt worst. It's worse than Battlefield 4, which is bad. It's worse than Battlefront 2, Star Wars Battlefront 2, which is bad. So, But it it's is. even the unfinished Battlefield 5 campaign for you. It's Yes, the unfinished Battlefield 5 campaign that I didn't bother to finish is better than Black Ops 3. Uh, that's a horrible statement. But anyway. <laughs> it's that bad. 
<laughs> anyway, so... so... So, is the Cold War campaign better, considering you have Digital Zombie Reagan? Oh, hang on there. Uh, there's ah. Digital Zombie Reagan? Well, I call him Zombie Reagan. It's just Digital Reagan, because yeah. oh. he's dead, you see. Oh, anyways. So, I skipped over... How many Call of Duties have I skipped over? Like, just help me with it. Like, just if I two? get them correct. Um, like two. So, I skipped over Advanced Warfighter, or Warfare. Advanced Warfare, Black Ops 4. Mm-hmm. There's... Uh, World War Two, which I thought you thought would have been right up your alley, because like, oh, we're getting back to the roots of Call of Duty. World War Two. All right, we're done. Yeah, I skipped over to that because again, that was when um, the demand for videos of grand strategy games was at an all-time high. Um, back in 2018, 19. Um, yeah, that was it was king for me. But then there was the Modern Warfare Remastered, and then the remake. Oh yeah. Even I forgot about that one. There's li there's been a Call of Duty every year since 2007. We are now in 2020. 13 straight fucking years of Call of Duty without missing a beat. And every year there's the same. You give your impressions on Cold War before I give myself another headache. Yeah, yeah. Cold War again. Uh, it's just one day. Uh, yeah, one day uh, that I was doing my usual stick. GTA 5, Red Dead, Elder Scrolls Online. Until I saw this thing advertising that says Cold War Open Beta. I'm like, and, and it's free. I'm like, okay, I'll give it a try. And, um, well, skill-wise, like every other first-person I played, didn't miss a beat. I still got it. <laughs> and started with playing with friends, I still got it. I well, it's not like, I it's produced not a like, montage. It's not like you gave up like me. You were still playing Battlefield 5 and Battlefront mm -hmm. 2 forgot so about that it's not like you completely stopped playing first person shooters online it's in my blood <laughs> what about the campaign the story digital reagan uh the campaign well i'm gonna be honest with you i have not finished it yet it's still in progress um i don't know what percentage i'm done but i know it's still not done but i can tell you by impressions that when did they started doing this part of the call of duty campaign where it branches off to side missions. No, that was Black Ops 2. They started doing it, branching off the little side bits. Yeah, that, and also you gotta collect puzzles in order to unlock certain things that may help you on the side missions. As in, you gotta identify three key people for you to capture or kill. And, uh, and when did they start doing that? Um, where the decisions you make in the middle of a mission where it's dialogue choices you don't speak it's dialogue choices uh cold war i was gonna say there are you know occasional non non in mission choices in black ops 2 but that was the only time they ever did that and i actually really enjoyed that i know a lot of people were like oh black ops 1 is better it's like man shut up 2 is better is a better game because it gives you more narrative control it's minimal narrative control, but it is more than they ever had. So, yeah, if Cold War gives you more, good. So yeah, um, and uh, by the way, I mentioned about your character doesn't speak. Yeah, it's another one of them silent protagonists. How original! But you play as Mason and/or Woods. All they do oh, is, and yeah. sometimes they do. And Woods is a bad mouth. What a isn't he? Yeah, he's a very foul mouth dude. Uh, it's also very strange that it is. It is in fact a sequel to Black Ops, which came out in what two thousand nine. Yeah. Took place in but, the 1960s. 
but not a sequel to Black Ops 2. It is a prequel to Black Ops 2. Yeah, in which I found out by then, it's like, so Woods is around this, and of course he survived the 80s. So that means yeah. in that timeline of 2025 Black Ops 2, Woods is 90 freaking 5. <laughs> and he's still swearing like they a sailor. Not, they did not think very hard in the, in the future versions of that game. Well, they did add the bios of each of these characters. So that's the reason why I know the ages. It is so. It is another thing weird. Like the Modern Warfare campaign has had, you know, Captain Price with his big old mustache, and the occasional recurring side characters. But the Black Ops series, for some ass reason, keeps having these same dudes pop up. It's like, oh, it's Mason and it's Woods and it's the other guy whose name I can't remember with glasses. You know. Yeah, he he's still around. What's degree. his name? Oh, Weevil. Huh? Weevil. That's his call name. Call call sign. Nom de guerre. Whatever. No, his fucking character's name. Wait a minute, who are we talking about here? The guy with the big old glasses who looked like that that actor, Ed, what's his name? Yeah, I... I Ed Harris? Yeah, it looks like Ed Harris, because it was Ed Harris in Black Ops. But then it's not anymore. What's his name? Yeah. I, again, I just keep saying that, but that's all I remember. Otherwise, are you going to be at, like, the numbers, Mason? The numbers, Thomas? Yes, that guy. Yeah, that guy. What was his name? That guy who said that. Yeah. I already told you his name, but I don't remember the full, Hudson. full name. Hudson, fuck you, I remember. Hudson. Oh, Hudson, yeah. I don't know what made me think of Weevil. I must be thinking of someone else completely different. Oh, my God. Any fucking ways. Is it fun, at least? <laughs> and, uh, oh, and by the way, it has a little bit of character creation. Not necessarily appearance, but your bio description. Your character in the campaign goes by the call sign name, or Nandegur, as Bell. As in, ding, 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 Bell. Okay. And although it's optional for you to pick your first and last name. Otherwise, you just leave it at blank and it'll just say classified. Even at the beginning of each mission that says, you know, like classified, classified, build, classified, classified, classified. Um, classified, classified. We blew up an entire airfield, but nobody knew because we covered it up. What? No, you didn't. And also, if you wish to choose furthermore of your background of what you are, actually, like, like, are you male are you female or are you non-binary? Which is a thing they added. Hey, it wasn't in the 80s. Um, and also, are you former CIA? Are you former MI6? Are you former KGB? I picked former KGB just to have interesting dialogue choices. What are you doing working for the American CIA? It's not a fucking Ian Fleming novel. Yeah, they did this. I did this one mission. Uh, no, uh, I had... You can have dialogue with each of these characters here before you start the next mission. They do that. Um, where at this guy, it's like, hey, you were in a KGB. Um, um, so it's like, what do you know about it? What do you remember? But the only dialogue choice I had is like, basically like, I don't remember. And he's like, ah, must be a different life then. So glad you're with us. It's like, I don't know. We only captured that one guy sitting over there. We had we captured him and tortured him for a lot of years and reprogrammed his brain. Yeah, whatever. Again, the campaign's still in progress for me. So, for the fun of it, well, I guess, to a degree, maybe dialogue, yes. Um, and, and including some of the choices you make. But Call of Duty has always, since 2007, been a Call of Duty game. Like, you're going to do a vehicle mission, you're going to do a sneaky mission, you're going to do uh, a mission where it's like, alright, everybody needs to be silent. Oh no, one million explosions! And a couple of few unexpected moments that just threw me off slightly, but more so to, you know, the other character, where he tells me, not a fucking word. 
That's woods. Yeah, I presume. You're presumably you play as a scrub and you die in first person because there's nothing Call of Duty loves to do to you. Hasn't happened yet. Uh, well, we'll see. I'm willing to bet uh, Bell dies at the end in the very... I'm guessing. I have no fucking clue. Yeah. I'm sure we'll learn more about the Bell. Um, Is the multiplayer fun? The, the important part. Uh, the beta? Yes, I had plenty of fun with it, despite its limitations. And then now that we... That's the reason why I produced the montage. As for the um, multiplayer today, and they added a Season 1 pass for even more uh, content. They've been doing that lately, content. have they? Every game does. So, multiplayer? Well, if you're good skillfully, yes. But the gameplay <laughs> uh, game mode I often play in or those big mapped, large number of players ones because it like feels right at home. <laughs> yes, it feels right at home. Even sometimes it give you a mixture. Oh, and by the way, you can adjust the playlists of what game modes you're going to be playing. Like you just can't play team deathmatch all the time if that's if you're willing to choose a, or mix it up where you have team deathmatch active, you have um, hardpoint, headquarters, domination active, so you get a mixed bag of these. If, do you ever play? Do you ever play zombies, or you don't bother? Uh, yes, I did play some zombies with friends. I assume it's the same as it's always been. Sort of, based on what I remember, because the last zombies game mode that I've played purely was from Black Ops Two. Well, they don't change that much. It's like, all right, stand here and shoot a hundred of these dudes. All right, now go stand over here and shoot a hundred of these dudes. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we, we, I, think, I can't and, recall. And, and uh, zombies is way tougher nowadays. Um, especially when they added these big old juggernaut berserker-like things out there. That, that, had, like, that takes a lot more rounds to, to kill. And they had like narrative stories to the zombies campaign. It's like, fucking why? What is this, yeah, Left 4 Dead again? Yeah, a little bit of it. Except with the uh, characters that you selected from multiplayer. Even if it's from the story mode. Both sides, both NATO and Warsaw Pact. Okay, please bear in mind that if I dislike this segment, I may cut it in its entirety. So, what was the last thing you wanted to talk about? Horde zombie mode in games in general. You had. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it sucks and I don't like it. This goes all the way back. Gears of War did not invent this. I think Gears of War 2. Maybe it was three. Who fucking knows? Two. Well, we did two and three back then. Uh, not campaigns, they, the hordes. They had this idea. They had this idea that you had to fortify a position. You stay in one spot, and then waves of dudes come at you from every side, and you have to survive X number of waves. And that was okay for a while, until you do it a bunch, and uh, then it's boring. Yeah, it becomes work, a chore. Yes, it, it does become work. And then in other games like Left 4 Dead and every Left 4 Dead clone, which I don't have time to talk about here, it is you traveling from place to place. We're fighting a million dudes. It's like, and then every so often you have to stop and like fight another million dudes. And then you walk 40 feet and fight a million, another million dudes. And it's always zombies. They don't have any other ideas. You don't fight hordes of like rabid dogs. You don't fight giant fucking rats with swords. It's just zombies. It's a zombie after zombie after zombie. I mentioned that because there's those Warhammer games, which is just Left 4 Dead again. Everything's a fucking Left 4 Dead clone. I don't find Left 4 Dead fun. I never... I rented it when it first came out in the late 2000s, 2007, 2009, whenever the fuck those games came out. And Nick had a lot more fun. Our other brother Nick had a lot more fun. Our other friends had more fun. And I was just like, man, this is just 
boring as hell. They got a different mentality. I guess, but, you know, like, there, there is a small degree of fun to be had for a while. But then it becomes overwhelming to the point of it's taxing and is no longer fun. That's just my, my thought. Yeah, that's how I felt at least after round 10 of Call of Duty World at War Zombies. Christ, and, and World how War many Zombies? hours? Oh, excuse me, Cold War Zombies. Sorry, World at War, which, by the way, over 400,000 views. My most viewed video from that old game. Of, of which you have no player audio. No. How? Yeah, but how many hours is 10 rounds? How long did it take you to get there? Well, it's not hours. I mean, uh, the highest round I've ever gotten, which sounds... Man, ironic. I don't know if that's the proper term. The highest round I've ever gotten in Cold War Zombies was 24. One round short of reaching 25, which is the amount of rounds I've gotten in the old World of War Zombies I did. Yes, but how long did that take? An hour and 30. Fuck, I couldn't do it. And also, I didn't and like some, playing. And, and with friends, sometimes they just leave the last zombie alive on purpose. It's like, okay, I need to get this, and let me drink this, and let me get this gun, have pack a punch, and all that before we kill the last one, then round whatever. It's their strategy, and I just go with it. For all the time I put in Battlefield 1, I always hated when Rob wanted to play Operations. Because, like, oh my god, it just takes so long. I have a set amount of patience for anything I do. Even if a thing is fun, there's going to come a certain point where it is no longer fun. And I am well aware of what that point is. I can't tell you what it is, but I know I feel it coming. I feel there's a turning point about to happen where I'm going to get bored. Here it comes. We better stop, guys, because I'm about to get bored. If we could just stop. Let's stop playing. Oh, they kept playing. Oh, we're still playing. Oh, we're still playing. Still playing. Yeah, you run on a tight of... schedule. No, I did. Maybe my brain does. It's not like I have. I don't have infinite time because I really do. I detest doing repetitive actions that are not fun or have a variety. Like Dying Light is a really good zombie game. I played a no, demo of it. <laughs> I had such good memories. A Dying Light is a really good zombie game because it's narrative. It's Got a lot of, you know, it takes the basic, uh, what the fuck is that other shitty-ass game they made before Dying Light? Dead Island gameplay, but makes it, you know, fun. And refines it, and gives you parkour, and movement, and narrative freedom. And that's good. But, something like, just throwing this out there, World War Z, where it's just left for dead again, but in third person. It's like, you move point to point. Okay, everybody gotta stop, set up traps, oh no, here's a million zombies. It's like, god damn, this is so boring. And it's the same thing in, like, uh, we've been, me, by we, I mean, OG Internet's worst. Uh, me, Joe Stizzy, and Rob have been playing uh, Destiny 2 again. And that's fine when we're doing all the narrative stuff in campaign, but when we want to do multiplayer, it's like, okay, we're going to lose, and we're going to lose by a lot. We need to understand that, and once you accept that, it's okay. And then there comes a certain point, it's like, okay, I'm bored now. We need to stop playing. But Rob has this, no, just one more thing in him all the time, which I'm sure is very commendable. It's very good for him to have that in his real life. Uh, it's not good for me to be in a party with him when he wants to do the just one more, because I'm too nice of a dick to say, I'm too nice of a guy to be a dick to say, nah, fuck you, I'm leaving. So he still plays a lot of Battlefield Five, even though 
you know, whatever the issues are. Pretty sure he still plays Battlefield 1. But I can't stand it anymore, man. I'm just like, I, I, I'm okay with losing. I'm okay with sucking. I'm okay with doing the same thing over and over to a point of all those things. At a certain point, it tips over into unfun territory. And if a video game becomes ever unfun, I stop playing it. I do not play games I do not have fun with. I guess for me, it's just, well, as you mentioned, games like these, every single one of them has an expiration date, so I can't stick with it forever. Yeah, but that's that's personal, because you've suddenly, suddenly, you over the last couple of years have decided to start a YouTube channel where you have to produce content for these sort of things, and you're like, well, that's enough content for this game, next game. So that's partially, you know, a personal issue with you. Yeah, and also, during these, uh, times that we live in there's a greater demand for content where i feel like i record every damn day because there's going to be people out there who are sitting there doing nothing and i got to keep posting crap for them i know you know you really don't have to well i mentioned bosnia and thieves at the early start there are two ongoing series concurrently but in separate days we post them don't want to overload it it's neither here nor there and also, Anyways. also one more thing about the hordes and zombies thing. My very first exposure of that kind was Halo Reach with Firefight. Wasn't that similar? Yeah, except you could tweak the settings so that we were basically unkillable monsters. Yeah, we did that once for whatever reason. Also, there was a very long period of my life where I loved everything about Halo. And even though I hated oh. Reach's story at... Sorry, I dropped right. something. Keep going. Even though I hated Reach's story at the time... Uh, I did still really enjoy the multiplayer, and the firefight thing was, it was just horde mode again, but it was Halo, you know, and Halo used to be really cool, and now it kind of sucks for me. Yeah, I thought they were the ones that started the whole horde mode. The actual term comes from Gears of War 2. Yeah. Where you fight 50 waves of Co Covenant? No, that's Halo. 50 waves of Locust. And you fortify a position, and then at some point, I think during Gears of War Judgment, they're like, okay, now we introduce a payment structure to this, where you kill X number of locusts, and now you get 500 Gears Fun Bucks. Okay, now with these 500 Gears Fun Bucks, you can fortify one turret, or buy two guns. Oh, God. And that became, you know, Call of Duty Zombies. It's like, okay, you kill 10 zombies. That gives you $100. With $100, you can fortify a door, or roll dice and get one crappy pistol. Or Pack-A-Punch it. Yeah, where you just get really strong melee. Because that's what you want to do is melee is a, a, a thing that kills you up close. Yeah, I can't do that today since they added tougher zombies out there, as I mentioned. Zombies with guns! Yeah, so I wanted to fight how about that yet. We do, it's called Resident Evil. Yeah. Yeah, Resident Evil are much better zombie games than any other damn horde game. And yet they say, why don't they make Resident Evil scary? But then again, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you why. Because then no one would play it. It's almost like, does survival horror need to be pure horror? No, it needs to be fun to play. You know what's not fun to play? Sorry, Joe Stizzy. Resident Evil 1, 2, 3, Code Veronica, and 0. Those are not fun. You know what is fun? 4, 5, 6, Revelations, Revelations 2, 7, and potentially 8. Do you know why? Hmm. Because they're not survival horror. Yeah, it's a lot more than that. But then again, I only played 4 way back on the GameCube. Anyway, I believe that was one of the first games that I once beat the game on in a single day, in a period of 6 hours. But then again, that was when we used to do a lot of cheats. 
Well, the game, well, action replay was a thing then. It's not really a thing now. With the advent of trophies and achievements. Many damn ways, this show was already gone longer than I wanted it to. What's your last thing? So, uh, I know we're going to, we've talked mostly about gaming, but now let's talk a little bit of film. Um, well, we, we do. this is like a 20% movie podcast. Basically. Um, like we've mentioned all the big time movies and the lesser known movies from India and whatnot to some uh, era. <laughs> They're all lesser known to me. Yeah, here in the Western world. Um, but since the podcast um, that I've watched, you know, a few interesting, well, what do you mean interesting? Um, they're American classics in their own way. Such as Forrest Gump, and uh, also watched uh, all of the Godfather trilogy in three different days. I think everything you just said is very overrated. So it's like if I say American classic, you say overrated. No, I think Forrest Gump is very overrated, and I think the Godfather movies are un un unbearably overrated. Maybe the first two. I'll give you the first one, and only and like cut an hour from it. The other thing about those fucking Ford Coppola movies, they're like hours longer than they need to be because he's up himself. Yeah, the only other French Ford Coppola movie I've seen was The Departed, but that was when the interest of Irish mob and relating to I'm pretty the sure, Pinker Blinders. I'm pretty sure that's Martin Scorsese. Oh, shit. They, they had a similar... Yes, I know. They're both up themselves, you're right, yes. Yeah. They're both pretentious shitbags, yes. You're, that's where you've got them confused. Yeah. And uh, and and earlier, um, before this, we recorded this podcast, uh, as I was scrolling through the Twitter feed, saw a picture of the Titanic, and I'm like, why do so many people love that movie? I've never seen it, so I'm not, you know, going to say too much anything about that. Pretty boy. Leo DiCaprio. Oh, of course, huh? I mean, I have all the respect in the world for him for what he's done, but still, it's just yeah. But in nineteen ninety-seven, yeah, but it's yeah, but in nineteen ninety-seven, he was a fucking little pretty boy. That's that's the answer. Yeah, but that's the one movie that people go back to. Um, and uh, even though we've seen earlier works featuring him uh, before Titanic, before he got big. Yeah, when when he was on Growing Pains, he played the son of an alcoholic. Wasn't that lovely? He was on Growing Pains. Yes. The only the only other role I could think of what he was on prior to Titanic was on uh, The Quick and the Dead. Yeah, except that's a fun movie, and Titanic is not a fun movie. And also the other uh, noted movies I uh, try to think of what I've seen. Well, two of them I could think of are from India, but I'm not going to really get descriptive of the names because, I mean, I know one that's easy to pronounce, which is in Tamil, and that's Marcel, and the other one is in Marathi, and I can't really pronounce that because I'm not familiar with that language. That's fine, you don't need to. But that was due to the, um, the, that particular film, that was due to the interest of doing the Indian series for Crusader Kings 3 at that time, so I needed reference. But also there were some not-so-stellar or shitty movies that I've seen as of late. And uh, worst of all, I've seen this year, on this uh, calendar year, it was from 20 years ago, um, which I even doubt you heard of movies, because you don't watch shitty movies on purpose. No, I don't watch good movies on purpose either, to be fair. Uh, have you ever heard of Backyard Dogs? Is that the TV show where those two 50-year-old guys go into old houses and try to salvage wood? What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> so, no, 
Oh, hell no, that's... <laughs> that's totally different. And uh, no. A backyard dog says, uh... Well, it's a backyard wrestling movie. Yeah, let's send this... Like, you just described that, and I was like, oh, so it has a budget of $20, and it's not worth talking about, but you insisted on talking about it, so I'm allowing you this platform? Well, well, it's all about two best friends with dreams of becoming pro wrestlers, but they have to start wrestling in underground backyard events. And at the beginning of the movie, they say, in 1998, there were 2,000 backyard federations in the United States. And then here in 2000, there are 20,000 more of the backyard wrestling federations throughout the U.S., which sounds I'd a like lot like bullshit. Certifications on those numbers. But anyways, uh, and as far as the cast is concerned, there were only, there was only like two real wrestlers that were in them. We mean real professional wrestlers, not professional backyard wrestlers. There's no such thing as professional backyard wrestler. But it does star the guy who played as the original Black Power Ranger. Yikes. Yeah, he was in it. Walter Emanuel Jones, that's his name. You don't need to tell me. I'll never remember. Uh, yeah, and I even uh, recall, um, even when some other famous YouTuber that actually reviewed this movie, that that somebody on the comments, uh, which again, I'm not going to name names on that particular YouTuber who reviews such things. Good, because we're not promoting anyone else but ourselves. Yeah, um, where I saw the comment where one guy says, there was, for a period of time, that the, this particular film, Backyard Dogs, was actually the lowest-rated movie on IMDb. What replaced it? I don't know. I just probably have to look it up on what's the... If I could steal your phrase. Dirt worst of them all. Well, I, I, I don't want to watch bad movies. Like, if you're like, Loki, you've got to watch this movie. It's really good. I'm like, okay, let's, let me have a look here. Two and a half hours, go. Fuck yourself. And then you're like, Loki, you gotta watch this movie. It's only 80 minutes long. And I'm like, this looks like dog shit. I don't want to. And your description of this has turned me off from it so heavily. Yeah, that's way too much description for this. You've had you had some other damned thing you wanted to talk about? No, that's uh, all I got other than, well, we know what's coming up on the YouTube channel, such as these two ongoing series with... Thieves and, and where can listeners find you on YouTube? At the Lord Master channel. The Lord Master YouTube channel. Provide a link yet again in the description. Yeah. So Thebes, Bosnia, Athens upcoming for the uh, Marius series, and uh, and what comes after Bosnia for Crusader Kings 3 into the future? Well, around by the time it's posted, whenever this video is posted, I will put up a poll in my YouTube channel where I will play as yet another minority culture. Um, but those are going to be five choices in the poll, which I'll just say it here, um, which which you'll see a future playthrough of that. It's one of those five. I would either be playing as the Avars, which is of a... Um, they're kind of related to the Turkic peoples, but they live in modern-day Hungary, in, in the lands of Avaria, later Pannonia, later as we know today as Hungary. Um... Second choice is Karelian, which is another minority culture that lives in parts of Finland and Russia in the region of Karelia. And the other is the uh, the other is the Sami, the Europe's only indigenous people left in the world. They live in the far north of Scandinavia. They, they don't have a country of their own, but they're still out there. 
They're kind of like the Eskimos, but they live in northern Scandinavia. Because they like to herd reindeer and stuff. And the other choice that I also have um, is the Sogdians, which we know them very well. Yeah, you talked about them a lot. And the uh, fifth and final choice are the Prussians. Not the German Prussians that everybody mistaken them of, but the old Prussians. Baltic tribe that are related to the Lithuanians and the Latvians. That are ones that, well, they were existed tribe, and then the Germans came and took their name. Yeah, that's kind of a thing Germany did for a very long time. And also England and France, to be fair, and Italy and Spain. I had something else for this, and then you went on with a list of names. You're not on social media as Lord Master, so let's not put that out there. Well, actually, there is one, but I'm not going to put it out there. It's not Instagram, it's not Twitter, it's not Facebook. It's just some, some different website that is... Less about social and more about bullshit. So Twitter, because that's all about bullshit. <laughs> you find me on Twitter, at Loki Jarson, spelled exactly like it sounds. Uh, is that it? I think that's it. Yes, sir. Well, ter- 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 terrific. Uh, thank you for listening. Goodbye.